It's been another crazy week of NBA basketball, but Patrick and I are going to be talking about the three things each of us are most excited about early on in this season. we got a lot of fun things to talk about. We're going to be crossing off our first team. Which team do Patrick and I officially eliminate from the playoffs? And we're wrapping up with Hot Streak Shooting Slump. Let's get into foul trouble. Patrick, some amazing games this week. Sixers, Celtics, Warriors, Nuggets. Which what the last two days? Which one is the most most fun for you? Um, I Sixers, Celtics. Come on, when when has Philly had this good of vibes? Never. Like when was the last time they had this good of vibes? Maybe like when Harden first got there and they just like annihilated the Timberwolves. Yes, yes, that's a that that is a pretty good <laughs> that was call. A good one, but I feel like the vibes are a lot. They're even stronger now. Um, for those of you that missed it, the Sixers defeated the Boston Celtics, the vaunted offensive juggernaut Boston Celtics, 106-103 to last night in Philly. James, what did you see? Well, the, I mean, I saw a lot. I think the big thing for me that I really like seeing from the Sixers is obviously the, the replay we see over and over again is that Embiid fade away. But what I really liked about that possession was the Sixers want to get the ball to Embiid. And it's not always perfect. In fact, the following possession, they try to do it again, and the Celtics were like, no, we're not going to let you. But what I really liked with Maxi there was he was really patient. Porzingis showed the double. He waits. He waits late enough into the shot clock where they can kind of get Embiid the ball just so there's enough time for him to avoid the double team to get like a nice clean isolation. Whereas I feel like in the past, it's always been like, Sixers collapsing, Tatum is hitting threes, and Jalen Brown hit a wild three in this game to bring the Celtics clawing back. But I think like the Sixers offense, even during their collapse, some possessions were ugly, as is Sixers basketball, but a lot of possessions were like nice, clean, everyone had their head on straight, the Sixers didn't look frazzled. I think it's such a different feeling than the last few years of the Sixers basketball. Yeah, I think post the trade, their whole roster just makes so much sense. And now it's finally kind of like built in the image of Embiid. Like there's really great positional positional size other than Maxi yeah. all around Embiid and they can all shoot and they've got real ball handlers at the same time. Like we've talked about it a couple times. Maxi has looked so so good. Um and exactly what this team needs. It's like they've got like a little punch of run and gun just like Zooming down the floor, and then the big guy, the destroyer of worlds, is just trailing every single play, ready to be that like behemoth to finish plays. Like, yeah. there's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do too much Sixers in the top. Little wink, wink, maybe for future in the pod. We talk about the things we're most excited about. One thing that I want to point out then about this game is the Celtics. Just something to keep in mind. So last season. In games where they did not shoot over 39% in the regular season, they were 23 and 22. In both of their losses this season, they shot underneath that number. And also fully healthy. Derek White did play to did mm -hmm. play to that game. So it's just like something to keep an eye on. Joe, Joey Maz. With his yellow sunglasses, he's looking like Scott beefing Summers. Beefing with individual reporters. He's beefing with individual he's reporters. Up articles that were written like seven years ago. And he's forcing his players to bomb threes. <laughs> and when it doesn't work, the Celtics kind of die there. What what else have we seen around the NBA? Can I just point out my sons? They got Bradley Beal back yesterday in an absolute hair pulling. Some of the most frustrating basketball that I have watched this season. Bradley Beal was on a minutes restriction. The Suns were begging the Bulls to win that game. KD was like letting Alex Caruso push him off his spot. Yeah, that, that um, end of fourth quarter shot Durant took. It's just, I think this is the whole thing me and you have been talking about a lot with Durant. Is he's, it's just, it seems easier than ever to force him into these tough mid-range shots. Yeah, it was, it was a rough game, but... But, the, but you know, according to... Kendrick Perkins, the all-knowing one, he's, he's still the best scorer in the league. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we had another Dama Nurkic performance, 20 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists. Just in the few minutes that Bradley Beal was playing, in the first quarter, he got two wide-open threes that he drained. 
It's starting to realize itself. I'm very excited. Book will probably be back sometime next week, and then we'll get to see that that big three finally playing together. Uh, two more games I want to talk about real quick before we hop into the three things we're most excited about. Um, last night's, we were recording this on a Thursday night, Nuggets-Warriors game. This game was amazing, really high-level basketball. You love seeing the Warriors, you know, the ball movement. I'm, I'm worried about Clay, but I will say the end of this game was so funny to me because we've got Stephen Curry, we've got Nikola Jokic, in my opinion – the best point guard in the league. I, I, I don't really know if that's up for debate. That might be a fact. It has I think to that's be. a fact. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Nikola Jokic, who I think also fact, the best player in the world. Um, <laughs> that's the one player that I would say is a better point guard. <laughs> yeah, Nikola maybe, Jokic. Honestly. Um, well, speaking of, this is why it's up for debate, I guess, on the point guard realm. Jokic has two missed free throws that would have iced the game. He has a wraparound pass that Curry steals. Curry hits a crazy three at the end of this Just game. Just like blazing down yeah, the court. Yeah, cut it down. And then Curry misses what is it's, – it's a, it's a high-difficulty kind of half-floater, half-layup. It's a really high-difficulty shot, but it's one that he normally makes. It is the exact shot that he won the game with on the Draymond Green not-basket interference last Friday in the in-season tournament. So it was just kind of weird seeing Curry and Jokic just in the biggest moment, the t- two of the best you know players in the world just – Kind of falter, but otherwise, an amazing game. Yeah, awesome game. Really going back and forth. And watching that game, it made me think, like, when in... I can't even think of a time in any sport that I've followed that we've had so many, like, championship cores or, like, cores that have been to the championship together just completely intact, all playing together, all slugging it out. And, like, obviously, these are our last two champions, we are so freaking lucky. Yeah, this is a great right era now. of NBA basketball. So many unique champions year after year. The other game I wanted to talk about is actually one I wasn't able to watch. I was hustling over here uh, through a lot of traffic, but Bucks Pacers. This is the number one offense in the Pacers. This is the Milwaukee Bucks. What did you see in Giannis's? What was it, 54 points? Yeah, well, I mean, it started out as a game that looked to be a complete Pacers route. I think. The, the Pacers opened up like a 25-8 to eight lead in the first quarter right away, and the Pacers were just doing Pacers things. I don't want to talk about talk too much about the Pacers. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about them later today. Um, but then Giannis woke up and was just 100% like mythology, Zeus, Giannis, just driving to the there there was no dame today and Giannis just took the ball and went to the rim over and over and over again and on his way to 54 points, 10 rebounds and the real difference between this Giannis performance and a lot of Giannis performances it was very um game 6 of the finals because he was nailing all of his free throws. I I don't have exactly what he shot from the free throw line but it had to have been in the high 80s he was living at the line yeah i feel like as a side note on Giannis, obviously we're not going to talk too much about him today um, other than you know that sweet poster on <laughs> isaiah stewart that he got ejected for i mean nba we gotta we can't be ejecting Giannis for dunking yeah, on people. 16 of 18 from the line um but yeah i think what's interesting with Giannis a little bit though is like you talk about game six of the finals last night's game is like these you know iconic Giannis performances are really like the secret of them is the free throws because what people don't talk about with that Bucks Miami series was like, you know, the Heat win in five and people are like, Giannis was hurt. Giannis had like a 40 bomb that he missed like 12 free throws in. Yeah. And that's kind of the difference between like the Bucks clawing their way back in that series and the Bucks losing embarrassingly in five is just like if Giannis has a good day at the line or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is the story, especially when they don't have Dame, yeah. like, or that like consistent number two, like if Drew Holiday was hitting all of his shots. But um, late in the fourth quarter of this game, the or midway through the fourth, the Bucks actually had a ten point lead, and the Pacers stormed back behind Tyrese Halliburton, who I am just like low key obsessed with right now, on the way to a one twenty six one twenty four victory. Um, the Pacers, if you have not watched them this season, are the most fun team to watch in basketball. Um, I'm going to try and stop myself right now because I'm going to be talking about the Pacers later. But um, yeah, well, super, super fun game. Do you, awesome court. 
Do you want to jump into, oh, yes, I love their court. Do you want to jump into then the three things each of us are most excited about in this young season? Yeah, sure. Why not? All, All right. right. Number one, the Pacers offense. <laughs> oh, you're going right to the Pacers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, why not? We're talking about them right now. The Pacers offense has scored in games, in different games this season. 120, 125, 121, 124, 152, 134 last night, and then on the second half of a back-to-back against the second best player in the league, 126. They're leading the league in points per game. They are fourth in the league in threes, fifth in the league in three-point percentage. Um, They are just—and they're— Second in pace behind the 100% unserious Wizards. This team is deep, and they have an absolute superstar at the head of the snake, which is Tyrese Halliburton. He is just an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, I think it's, like, really funny, like, in this day and age of, like, short viral content where, like, a lot of our superstars are, like, Jokic. Halliburton, because Halliburton's jump shot is also kind of funky. Obviously, Halliburton's like a next level passer, the great passer. But, you know, like NBA fans love like their ISO gods, their Kyrie Irvings. But it's like we're going to get to the point where like all the best players at every position are these like the Kawhi Leonard, like basic pull up mid range, like just basic crossovers. That's just effective basketball. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) hey, if it's not broke, don't don't fix fix it. it. But what I love about Tyrese is like. He's gotten to a point in like his progression as a superstar. Last night, he scored no points in the first half, and he was just diamond up the entire time. And they were playing against a, a bad Utah Jazz team, but they were scoring just buckets of points. And then he saw, this game is too close. This team should not be hanging around with us. And he turned it on and scored like 25 points in the in the second something 20 plus points in the second half like for a player especially a guard to get into that place Mm -hmm. i think that's something really special and honestly like uh, these guys they all play the same way they're guys that run they can score in isolation but they always look to pass first just brown bruce brown aaron nesmith Benedict Matherin is really like coming into his own score 29 tonight is awesome. Obi Toppin, we all know what Obi Toppin does in transition. Buddy Heald is still on this team. Andrew Nemhard, there's just so many names. This team is deep. Yeah, I mean, this is such an awesome team for Toppin, too, because I think like I haven't watched as much Pacers as you, but like just looking at the roster is like I feel like the shooting on this team is crazy. Yeah. Because we like we talked about with the Mavericks, is like almost every game they walk into, it's like they have such an edge in like three pointers. And like in today's NBA, like when you can just like be like, hey, we're like way better than you at shooting threes, like that's such a massive advantage. And I know it's such a like dumbed down way to look at basketball, like better shooting equal better team, but like that's kind of how like basketball's been trending for a while now. Yeah, I, I hey, this is not a good defensive team. Oh no. This is a bottom ten defensive team but with their cohesion on offense it makes it so that i think they have the upside to be a top four team in the east and the kind of team that like if i'm like the knicks i am not dying to play this team in in the uh in the playoffs even if i'm the bucks you know teams that are are figuring it out still teams that's the the crux of their defense is their interior defense this team's not going to be bothered by your perimeter defense. Just oh, yeah, no, because, this team embarrassed Wemby in the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, just because of how much they move the ball around, how much they're willing to let it fly. They're running off misses. They're running off makes. It's just, like, I, I can't they're say this, enough. They're, they're like this year's kings, I feel like. Yes, that is such a great way to put it. And I think, like, the the East is a lot more like the West of last year to where there was a lot of question marks, and I think there was – like maybe three top clear contenders and then a room for a Kings or a Pacers to slide in there. Except I think there's maybe a little bit more talent on this team than the Kings of last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but I did not like the Sabonis trade at the time for the Kings. And when you're seeing what Halliburton's doing now, it's like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Hey, I mean, when you're a, 
It, it's one of those, everybody always talks about, it's one of those really rare trades where at least each fan base can say, like, I got something that I really wanted out of there. But I think as we get further and further away from that Kings playoff Run. first round ag- exit, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. It's going to be a super tough pill to swallow. No, yeah. I think, like, Halliburton's one of those players. Because, like, you saw it on Team USA, right? Like, the offense for Team USA has, like, Brandon Ingram, like, Anthony Edwards. Like, we're seeing Anthony Edwards, like, dominate in the NBA right now. But, like, Team USA really went up a level when they had, like, Halliburton on the court kind of being that facilitator, that glue guy, like... It's kind of crazy, like, in this league where, you know, so many point guards are so good at scoring, like, really really differentiates, like, the top guys is their ability to pass, not just in transition, but also in the half court. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I don't know that there's a better passing point guard. Like, I'm going to just take Chris Paul out of this. Like, we're not talking about you, Chris Paul, but, like, a main first option point guard in the league. I don't know that there's a better one than Tyrese Halliburton right now. I've got one. Who? I think Luca. Okay. Just okay. I think the well, Halliburton's tall too, but this isn't meant to be a Halliburton Luca debate. But yeah. it is a fun one. No, this is interesting. This is this is a debate nobody has. I think the reason for me, Luca's a really generational passer, is like his ability to just like, like if he passes out of a shot, right? Most NBA players mm-hmm. they're gonna pass to the left, they're gonna pass forward, they're gonna pass to the right. Luca might like shoot the ball straight line backward into a shooter's hand. Like we've seen him do it multiple times. And I think the creativity of Luca plus his like patience, like you see in that Spurs Mavs game, like early in the season where Wemby and another guy are crowding him, just like his patience, get the ball, like perfect wraparound. He can do all those like baseline to baseline passes. I don't know. I think. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The angles that Luca is able to manipulate are very unique angles like people of that size we don't get the thing that separates Halliburton is just the the speed that he plays with that I Luca can play at that speed but that's I don't think where he's optimized Luca is more of that like herky-jerky you're playing on my uh, on my pace and Halliburton is the very like magic johnson-esque we're running i'm looking you off i'm freezing you and i'm whipping it to the corner without even looking um but that's true because i think like for halliburton like being able to start a fast break where there might not necessarily be one is like an insanely valuable skill for a guard yeah especially especially today when possessions are king yeah and, and you're a team like the pacers that's jacking up i think they shot 53s tonight yeah like th- that changes the <laughs> math of a game yeah um, yeah, the Pacers are a lot of fun. Do you want, I'm, are you ready for my first one? I'm ready. Give me number one. The old guys, LeBron James and Stephen Curry. Okay. LeBron James turns 39 next month. That is Stephen crazy. Curry turns 36 in March. Both of these guys are at an age where even as recently as 10 years ago, you weren't supposed to be playing high level or any level of NBA basketball at this age. I know people are sick of the LeBron. He's 37. Well, guess what? Then he's 38 and he's about to be 39. LeBron James averaging 24-8-5 on 61% effective field goal percentage. Stephen Curry, 35-4 and four on 67 effective field goal percentage. These guys are not just playing at a high level. They're playing at the highest level. LeBron has looked the best he's looked in three years. He's unbelievably fast. He's such a dominant interior presence. What, like you watch the Warriors and Curry is still just like bending defenses to his will just by standing and moving. And I know he did miss that floater layup we talked about earlier, but like he's still so good attacking the rim as Steph. Like I think people have never perceived Steph to be this like dominant rim finisher, but he statistically has always been one like ever since his MVP years. And I don't know, man, like I think for like a lot of people our age, you know, like early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, like. You know, our formative years might have been like those like early, like kind of like big three Celtics, like Kobe Powell Lakers, like the Miami Heat with LeBron. But really like the defining rivalry of like our whole life has been like Cavaliers, Warriors, Mm, like Steph, LeBron, Steph versus LeBron. Like you see it when they play in the playoffs last year. It's all anyone wants to talk about is Steph versus LeBron. And like, you know, after last season, LeBron, like he has got to see what the LeBron James of feet. He doesn't look really good like the second half of the whole year. Like the Lakers are even a better team when he's off the court for a large portion of the second half of that year. Like you kind of go into the season being like, I don't, you know, what does this season hold for LeBron, right? Like 
what is he going to look like? And even Curry, like usually smaller guards like that tend to break down. But for me, I'm like, I'm going to get to enjoy watching these guys for like three, maybe four years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a blessing. And I think back to that first season that LeBron had with the Lakers where it was LeBron and the kids and he got hurt for the second half of that year. Starting at that point, there was people saying, this might be the downfall of LeBron. This might be the end of the road. Um, Steph in that same season when Aaron Baines broke his wrist or whatever, we were thinking the same thing. This might be the end of the elite era of, of these two, that these two absolute legends of the game were able to um, carry on. Since then, we've gotten one more championship out of both of them, with which is absolutely insane in its own right. And like you said, there's no like debating that these guys are both playing on in a normal NBA an MVP level. Bo- both yes. of these guys. Yes. And like where would the Lakers be without LeBron this season? Yeah, it's crazy. Like the Lakers record at this point they're 3 and 5 or 3 and 6. 3 and 5 right now. 3 and 5 is like is honestly like obscuring the fact that LeBron like I was talking to my friend today and he was like, "Man, what's going on with the Lakers?" And I said, "Honestly, I feel good about the Lakers only because LeBron looks so good. I'd be a lot more worried if it was like last year where the team looks really good but LeBron doesn't look like the same athlete." Like I don't know, man. Like I'm I think these guys are going to see each other in the playoffs again, and it might this might not even be the last time this upcoming time they do it. Yeah, I mean, the the Lakers, it's a super mixed bag right now. I think the Warriors look like a hands-down finals contender in a way that they didn't at all last season. Yeah. Even though that they were coming off their their championship last year, there was always something a little sour in the in the pudding in the last water. year yeah. in the water. Um, I mean, that's been done to death, the whole Draymond, Jordan Poole stuff. But outside of that, the Andrew Wiggins weirdness, yeah, the fact was. that they could never win on the road. There were there was so much last year that just indicated this is not the Warriors year. And this year, I think it's the complete opposite. We've already seen multiple game-winning shots by the Splash Brothers. I, I, Clay doesn't look like full Clay, but I think they have a little bit of a better team around them. The Chris Paul acquisition has looked awesome. How cool. Talking about two legends past their prime, how cool is it to see Chris Paul play next to Steph Curry? Finding him running around screens like absolutely unreal so i'm really glad you brought up chris paul okay (laughs) okay because originally at this excitement point was going to be not just about lebron and curry it was going to be about all the old people in general we have a lot of like chris paul exactly he's the second oldest player lebron is the oldest so patrick i didn't realize this lost in the whole like chris paul has like 40 consecutive assists without a turnover and he played a little bit better last night you know i think he was four of nine chris paul's shooting is really bad yeah, it's really bad, man. I don't know. Like, I it's one of those weird things where it's like small sample size. I'm sure those numbers are going to go up. But the fact that it's like he's at like 32% field goal mm-hmm. after like eight games was kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, I don't know. It kind of made me be like, you know what? Let me just talk about the guys that I know for sure are playing absolutely amazing. And let me kind of do a digger deep dive into Chris Paul to see how I really feel about him last night he had like one in the fourth quarter he hit that one like classic elbow jumper over Aaron it felt so Curry passed it to him at the end of the shot clock and I was like well we're going to Chris here I'm like hell yeah we're going to Chris here I love Chris Paul which felt hey I I love Chris Paul too he's one of my all-time favorites he will always hold a really special place in my heart he still looks really shifty yeah I, I think his body is good but like you saw it in the playoff run last year. Chris Paul is just he's not made to play off ball. He's not made to shoot catch and th- catch and shoot, shoot threes. And um I don't believe in his ability to do that at a high level, to be honest. If if you can't do that next to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on the heaters that they were on with all of the attention that they had, I I'm sorry. Your shots are not going to get easier. It doesn't matter if you're next to Steph. Yeah, I just, I don't know. But that's why LeBron James, Stephen Curry, the two defining players of a generation, the two players that I think resonate so much with so many different fans. I'm just excited we get to to watch them for 
many more years. Maybe not many more in LeBron's <laughs> case, but Steph, I'm I'm like positive Steph will play till like 39, like LeBron is, if not more. Yeah, I mean, he has a skill set that is going to age well. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Patrick, what is the next thing you're super excited about? All right, I got a little trivia question for you. There are currently four players who are averaging at least 21 points okay. and 10 rebounds. Okay. Who are they? 21 and 10. I'm going to go Joel Embiid. That's one. Nikola Jokic. That's two. Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not there. No. Whoa. Bam Adebayo. Nope. Okay. No, he's not there yet. No, he's not averaging 21. 21 is like the weird cutoff number. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably a big. Yep. You got two more people. And they're both bigs. They're um, one's a big one's a quasi. One big. is my guy who I'm about to talk about. I don't know who are these two people. You got Anthony Davis. Oh, I figured. I don't know. Anthony Davis has had this weird year so far. So yeah. I was like, ah. And then my guy who has been awesome and completely rebounded from his sophomore slump. Scotty Barnes. Yes, Scotty has been amazing. Scotty Barnes has been averaging 21 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and 1 steal per game. The Raptors are coming off beating the Red Hot Mavericks last night. And, I mean, Scotty, what we're seeing out of Scotty Barnes, he's playing a higher usage role than we've ever seen him play before. And I think it's really making this Raptors team make a lot more sense. One thing I've never understood about Scotty Barnes, even going back to his rookie of the year year, was rewind the clocks a little bit, you go back to Summer League. Scotty Barnes is like this like transformational passer mm-hmm. in the preseason and then the Summer League. And then right when the regular season started, even his rookie year, he's like off the ball a lot more. He's not getting to be like this like kind of facilitation hub that it looked like he was going to be. And it's weird because like, Throughout his rookie year, he was still amazing, minus the passing. But it's like, is it is it back? What are you seeing with him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's back because the opportunity is, is there, there. And, and they're playing through him. He's He has, I think he has a 25% usage percentage, which is like 5% higher than it's ever been before in his career, which is really awesome. He, he is such a fun player in transition. Um, and what I like is he's finding these 21 points, Per game, but he's really finding them in the flow of the offense, really fitting in um, really well in this in this Raptors offense. And the other thing that I love from him, the one thing that I've never understood about Scotty Barnes is the selling point of Scotty. I feel like has always been his defense. It's been oh, this guy like he he can pass on offense, he can handle the ball a little bit, but really. He has this amazing body, super stout, super big, super mobile, and he can play lockdown defense. And I think in the first two years of his career, that was more of an idea than an actualization point. And for example, last year, he had a defensive box plus minus of zero, which... (laughs) He's just out there. Yeah, you're just out there. Like if if you're a lockdown guy... You are having a little bit more of a defensive box plus minus like you're having this season of 3.3, which is a huge swing. When he's on the court, the Raptors, who they have an okay defense, you know, they don't have the best rim protector. But when he's on the floor, they've got a 103 um, defensive rating and... If he were to keep up these averages with that defensive rating, he would be putting himself in the company of the only guys that have ever done that. 21 points, 103 defensive rating, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. Larry Bird twice, Kevin Garnett, and Russell Westbrook. And I think that is a totally attainable thing. Scotty Barnes, I just see as like he's the perfect number two for a championship team. He sets great screens. He is really comfortable using his body to rebound, um, which is like, I mean, just look at Aaron Gordon in Denver. Like, Scotty Barnes can be a really souped-up version of that. Um, And just 
everything that we've seen from him in the start of the season has been so, so awesome to see. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I don't remember who was on, but he had that one post-up where he like looked like Shaq. He like backed the guy down, then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I'm going to turn around and two-hand flush it on you. It's like, yeah. That, and I think that's the secret sauce of like all of these super, superstar wings. Like, you know, you think of LeBron or Jimmy Butler, for example. He's not even as big as stout as like Barnes, but it's like these guys who are strong that force defenders to foul them a lot. You know, it's like it's kind of the weird secret sauce and he definitely has it. And I'm like, I'm really glad to see the passing came back because it was one of those weird things where it's like, again, we saw a glimpse of it. But now we're like really, really seeing it. I guess my question for you, because I haven't watched as much Raptors, is how has he been able to succeed in like a sub not as, you know, great shooting environment around him? Well, kind of the the great part about his performance this year is what he's been able to do from three. He's shot. This season, he has shot. Let's see, I wrote it yeah, down. Yeah, I saw the other day he hit that like step back three. He was like, The game plan is I step back three. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's not your game, but so maybe it is. Maybe I'm unf- maybe I'm like unfamiliar with his game nowadays. So, thus far this season, he shot 38% on five attempts, which that is not gonna stick. But last year, he was shooting 28% yeah, on like three attempts. Yeah, like if down to 35, 34, like the, that's a great sign. That's fine because, you know, OG can really shoot. Pascal can shoot. Dennis Schroeder, like you got to guard him out on yeah. the perimeter. No, He's a little streaky, but no matter what's going on, you've you've got to go guard him out there. And Patel or Pirtle can. Yeah. <laughs> Patel. Patel. <laughs> um, Pirtle can stretch the floor a little bit. Mm-hmm. So him at least being able to shoot that that well to start off the year, I think has stretched out the Raptors offense just enough so he can operate a little bit more freely. But really, like, this dude, like, he gets 10 rebounds a game. He finds his offense in the flow of of the offense. He turns defense into, the, into offense. He runs in transition. I really don't think spacing is like how he's going to get in in the postseason yes but in the regular season that's not really how I think he's going to get his stats yeah and I think I think a big part of it too is for whatever reason like Nick Nurse really seemed to rub that locker room the wrong way Mm -hmm. so I think it, it also could be one of those things too where it's like new coach new attitude helps a lot as well absolutely yeah all right that's all I got to say on Scotty Barnes what's your second most excited. What, well, I don't know where, where. I need to issue an apology. Oh, okay. Um, to the city of Houston. Oh, there we go. Houston Rockets. You know, before the season, I was all over you guys. I was excited about the Rockets. I loved the Ime Adoku hire coach. Thought nailed it. I love bringing in Van Vliet. I even like bringing in Dylan Brooks. I yeah. just liked like, all right, kids. Enough is enough. We're going to be a real basketball team. And I just love the way the Rockets were going. The Rockets start out like, what was it, 0-2, 0-3. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about basketball. Guess what? The Rockets have won four straight. They look awesome. They have the coolest court in the NBA. They, they debuted a court the other day with an astronaut dunking a basketball with the Rockets logo. I've always secretly Did you see the name? What the is it? Dunkstronaut. Oh, amazing. Also, um... I've always, like, I don't know, I've always loved the Rockets branding. Like, ever since, like, my formative basketball years, like, I always wanted that, like, red and yellow Olajuwon jersey. I love that Rockets team with CP and Harden that really, like, tried to take it to the Warriors and it felt like the rest of the conference was kind of like, all right, we'll wait our turn. Like, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for the Rockets. But the reason I can't put the Rockets on my top three most exciting things, I just haven't watched enough of them to talk about them. I don't want to just go off stats. I want to actually watch the game. So Rockets, we will talk Rockets soon. But what's filling in the gap for that is, so Patrick, I feel like in the draft for like most of NBA history, what are teams looking for? They're looking for that dominant big Big man, man. right? And then circa 2010s, like all of a sudden there's not a lot of big man talent in the league in general. And it felt like the dominant archetype that you really wanted was like a big guard or a creating wing. And you see this influx of talent, like even recently, like Cade Cunningham, LaMelo Ball, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and like obviously the older generation, like Harden, LeBron. Like I felt like that creating big guard or wing player was like the defining archetype of a generation. But you know, I'm old school, Patrick. I love the bigs. And I think big men are officially back. 
Oh, hell yeah. I think big men are back. And I actually think it's gone all the way back to the center becoming the most important position again. Um, so I'm just going to go over I, a I list. I love this take. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm we're not you. talking Victor, but Victor's a transformational player. Mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren, we also talked about him. Chet, I saw, I think he's the first player ever to average 15 points on 50-40-90 in his first nine games. I mean, Chet wow. Holmgren. Superstar. He looks like a superstar. I mean, if, I feel like if Victor wasn't existing, all of us would be going nuts about Chet. But let's talk about the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic, arguably the best passer in the world. Joel Embiid, I mean, he's at a, a he's again ascended to another level. Some other bigs, Rockets, Alperin Sengun, another creator, a guy who like is a little short and you don't expect him to be great in the paint. He's still finishing over dudes. Uh, Bam Adebayo, again, another center who's a little on the shorter side, but like just a dominant, strong defensive player who's becoming more and more versatile on offense, can hit that mid-range. And even the, and I think what's so cool is like another big I wrote down, like Chris Dapps Porzingis, like tall, lanky. And I think what's so cool about this is like, unlike that archetype of like the creating wing, right? A lot of the times like Luca, Trey, like Kate, all these guys, like the bread and butter is like, it's a little isolation, but it's really like pick and roll mastery. But I think what's so cool about this like <coughs> big man movement is that all of these guys are so different from one another. And I think that's what's so cool. Like Anthony Davis is so different than these guys. Like the best two, like Embiid and Jokic, they're so different. I think what's so cool about this big men era we're re-entering is like they're all unique. Because I feel like we did have a brief period in the late 2010s of like NBA homogenization where it was like, Mm -hmm. all right, every team's kind of playing spread, pick, and roll. And that's kind of where the league's going. And I feel like now we're in this new era where like, a lot of these teams are being defined by their big man. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I was going to bring up when we were talking about the Sixers-Celtics game, really at the end of the day, what that game became was who was going to like win the game, Chris Stapps or Embiid. They were really going at each other. And like, I mean, it's, it's just so much to, fun to watch. Who doesn't love to see some giant dudes just jamming the ball in the net yeah and also like Timberwolves fans I know I'm not a cat guy but like even cat is another one of these like transformational bigs who doesn't play like any of the other guys I mentioned mm-hmm. yeah there it's there's so much variation and and from that their teams also play so differently like I mean we already talked about the Pacers but I, I don't like the they would not be able to do what they do without Miles Turner. Yeah. And, and the way he can spread the floor and really dominate the paint from a defensive standpoint as well. Yeah. No, I just, I don't know. That's one thing I'm really yeah. excited about. And I feel like last year we were already trending this way. Obviously, a lot of these names we've been hearing for years, but like a guy like Sengun has like taken another step up. He's becoming more of that go to scorer for the Rockets. Like Chet and Victor, obviously, this is their debut year. So I don't know, man. I'm just like, I love it. I love the big men. I also love that the NBA, as a result of this, is trending away from like homogenization of offensive styles. Like I really like that the league is going kind of back to every team having their own identity, and I think that's just super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, I'm so with you. I mean, we saw that even just this week with the like big marquee games. We saw the the motion offense of the Warriors versus the super jumbo ball of the Nuggets. We saw the super ISO um, Celtics go against the like hard nosed, slow it down, grind it out um, Timberwolves and, and Sixers. Sixers. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's so much fun. Like we're already we already said in this episode how awesome it is to watch the NBA, and it's just yeah, you can't say it enough. Yeah. Can't say it enough. Patrick, what is the third thing you're super excited about so far this year? All right. Well, you took a fake victory lap on the Houston Rockets. Are you about to take a real one? I'm taking a real one. Oh, let's right go. Now. Well, yeah, I love, the, I love this Rockets team, man. <laughs> oh, no, not on the Rockets. Oh, no. I'm taking a victory lap on my Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> okay. We talked about it a little bit last or last episode, but... Preseason, there was a lot of discussion pre-pod between me and James. Who's who's going to be better, the Timberwolves or the Thunder? Well, you know what? I'll give it to you. I was a little too low on the Thunder. But you know what? May, I maybe wasn't high enough 
on the Timberwolves. And my whole, really, it was a, it was a leap of faith, my belief in the Timberwolves that they could be a top six seed preseason. And it was really all based in my belief in Mike Conley being exactly what they need. So my last thing that I'm excited about and that I want to shout out is not only Mike Conley, but the two old guys on the Minnesota Timberwolves, Mike Conley and maybe the most hated player in the NBA, Rudy Gobert. Because you know what? Those two guys have been exactly what this team has needed. We've talked all about how Chris Paul has had like 40 assists to one turnover. Guess what Mike Conley's assist to turnover ratio has been this year? Are we talking totals? Yep. Okay. They've played about eight games, mm-hmm. seven games. All right. Let's let's go 42 assists to eight turnovers. 30 assists to one turnover. Oh, wow. Better. <laughs> Mike Conley has been... Doing his best point god impression. He's shooting 51 46 100, and he's played awesome defense every step of the way. They're bringing that mid aughts jazz defense to the to the table and Rudy Gobert is leading the league with 13.6 rebounds per game he is looking like prime Rudy Gobert and when you put prime Rudy Gobert with pre-prime Anthony Edwards and pre-prime Jaden McDaniels they're a freaking problem (laughs) especially when Mike Conley is at the head of the snake And the best way that I can illustrate how awesome that those two have been is in the three-man lineup, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards. They have an offensive rating of 113, which is really good for this Timberwolves team. They're not an amazing offensive team, but they have a defensive rating of 97 as well. That's a net rating of 16.6. I just, you know, it is exactly what they've needed. I This Timberwolves team, it, we talked about it last episode, is, is so much fun to watch, and I can't wait to see them gel more and more. Yeah, I mean, the Timberwolves are really good. They're definitely way better than I thought I would be. My my big thing that I've never liked about this Timberwolves thing is, like, the Cat-Gobert pairing. Mm-hmm. I've never liked it because, like, Cat on the perimeter guarding, which is what happens to fours nowadays, is it's still bad. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. And, What's crazy about the Timberwolves is Cat hasn't even been that good, but they are just a dominant team because they have these two wings that they're just like, hey, put them on the other team's best two wings. And I think what's cool about Ant, too, is like he can also guard guards as well. I mean, McDaniels can, too, but just I feel like Ant's, you know, shiftiness and quickness makes him so he can go from like one to four, which is just like super crazy when you have another wing that's just locking down the other team's wing. Because like what we talked about on the earlier this week was like, in Utah, Gobert was like the plug. Yeah. He was plugging all the holes. Like the moment a hole came, he had to plug it up. It put him in a lot of bad positions. This Timberwolves team is the the, the perimeter defense is so much better than those Utah teams. Yeah, I mean, I think every single person in the starting lineup is like would have started on that team, maybe. Like Royce O'Neal was the only like plus defender. On that. I mean, there was a Ricky Rubio era kind of there, but like, really, like, this is just such an awesome opportunity to see Rudy Gobert at his best. And like, I don't know, Rudy Gobert has done some really stupid stuff, but we've gotten a little like we passed it. We we've we're looking today in today's episode. We're looking at things like out on a broader spectrum, and like. Just do yourself a favor and like appreciate what Rudy Gobert is doing right now and and the player that Rudy Gobert is. Because first of all, it's in the modern NBA, you've talked about the big men of the league right now. You have to be so skilled offensively to play really as a center in the league right now. And Rudy Gobert doesn't have that skill offensively, but he is just so transformational defensively that none of that matters at least in the regular season and it's really something to write home about like it's that it that's not something that we see every you know 20 years in the NBA a guy that is that that great defensively so that 
I wanted to highlight the Wolves old guys. We've had so much shine on, on the young guys, but hey, like that, it, they are so crucial into what is making that machine work the way it, it, it's working right now. No, it's such a great point too, because you know one of the things I was really like scared of with the Timberwolves was like Conley comes in last year and they look so much better with like this real point guard kind of getting the team gelled. But I'm like Conley's 35? Yeah. Like, question mark. Like they're there... very 90s. Like which, I don't, like, like, don't want to. Cool. I don't want to Max Kellerman poor Mike Conley. But like, is the Cliff theory apply to some of these older guys? But kind of going back to what I, my first thing I was excited about is like these old guys are just bawling and. The longer good players stay good, the talent level in the league just goes up yeah. and up and up. And the level of basketball just gets higher and higher if good players don't age out, you know, as soon. Because right now, the good players are staying good, and the young players are, are coming in better. better than they've ever been. That's, yeah. And that's why, where we land right now. Okay, what is your third thing that you are excited about, my friend? Patrick, we talked about it earlier. Guys. You knew if I'm doing an NBA podcast, I couldn't bite my tongue for too long. We've talked about this team, but we've not dib-dib. The Sixers! Oh. <laughs> I love the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, we're talk, talking about, like, like teams that really inspire, like, a young basketball fan. It's, like, hard to describe to, like, maybe a newer fan or a really older fan. Like, why the process Sixers have such a hold on people in their 20s? But, like... This team has been the most fun team in the NBA to follow, bar none, for like 12 years now. It's drama. It's reality TV. Yeah. It's disaster class. It's like a story of hope. It's this guy, Joel Embiid, who's like an oddly tragic figure amongst all of the the Ben Simmons saga, the James Harden saga. I mean, what star player has dealt with this? Burner like, Twitter <laughs> account? Yes, GM is starting a burner account. A to guy shit on magically them? forgetting how to shoot? That was the number one overall pick? Yeah, like, Guys, the Sixers have been fun, but let's talk about the Sixers who are second in net rating. On it, they're th plus 13.1. They're second in offensive rating at 120. They're sixth in defensive rating at 107. They're not just six and one, Patrick. They are dominating teams. This is one of the most dominating teams in the NBA. And I want to talk about that Celtics game a little bit more because there's one thing that, <coughs> as we talked about, I thought they had more poise. I talked about that maxi possession. But one thing I really liked, and a guy that I kind of shit on at the beginning of the year, was Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, like, played physical. I feel like Sixers teams in the past kind of let the Celtics team baby them quite a bit. Even Embiid got babied sometimes by Horford. Obviously, he had that 50-point whatever game in the regular season. But playoff time, it's like, why are you not going at Al Horford? This team looked like a team that was playing with way more confidence than I've ever seen them play with against the Celtics team. That has kind of been this, like, dark cloud hanging over them this entire you know, Embiid era has just been the Celtics. There was a quote from Embiid a couple years ago. They asked about the Celtics rivalry. He said, it's not a rivalry because they always beat us. Mm -hmm. And like, I know it's a regular season game that they won by a couple points, but like, that's the type of game to me that tells me like, this is a different Sixers team. A stat that I love. Joel Embiid, this is the highest percentage of his points are coming off an assist this year. Wow. You would not expect that, right? Yeah. When you think about last year's Sixers, what do you think about? Him and Harden running that little short pocket pass pick and roll. But he's actually finishing off his teammates' assists more this year. What And why I love that stat is because it means Joel Embiid's playing less ISO. He's playing more in the flow of the offense, and you see it. This is a much more cohesive team thing. Another Joel stat I love. He has a way higher percentage of his shots at the rim this year than in the previous few MVP-level seasons. This is a guy who's playing more inside, being more of a do dominant player. He's playing more with the team. It like I literally wrote my notes. It cannot be overstated how good Joel Embiid is. I feel like the playoff stuff has really kind of soured people. But even last year, you got to remember, he's playing this Nets team in the first round that is so hell-bent on just not letting him score that the Nets are like, fuck it, you can sweep us. We just won't let Embiid score 20. And they just like... Nick Claxton is, like, getting really pissy in all these games and is, like, literally, it looks like he's trying to injure him. Sorry, Nick Claxton. I, I watched the games. Like, you were – I don't know, man. It was not clean basketball. I'll say that. He misses the first two games of the Celtics series. He comes in. He's not himself. He might not even been healthy. This guy's maybe never been healthy in the playoffs. I know, like, I'm making excuses, but, like, I don't know, man. This is a really fun Sixers team. The Sixers, every year for the last five years, have had a stretch where they play super good basketball and we have the, like – are the Sixers title contender discussion, but it feels more real this year. And I think one thing to go like full Sixers crazy, Patrick, in the opening game, if the refs call Giannis's airball travel, 
Is this the last undefeated team in the NBA? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. You I, know might, I might be off my rocker. Using right now. the transitive property, <laughs> I, I would say yes. But I, hey, man, I, I'm with you. I, I watched the the Sixers Suns game of of last weekend, and like this is a different Sixers team. Like I think that there was multiple places in that game where I felt like the Sixers of old would have kind of let go of the rope. But we talked about it earlier in this podcast that this this roster just makes so much sense together. It, it's a really grindy roster. And, and we talked about how the, the spacing and the perimeter defense really aids Joel Embiid. But I, to your point, I don't think it helps anybody, maybe even Embiid, as much as it helps Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is a guy that was completely miscast in the role of like, defensive stopper over the last yeah. couple years for big wings now with that Harden trade they it's completely the opposite like Tobias Harris has one job and that's to get buckets and now he has the spacing and the lesser defensive role on, on to where he can just focus on getting those buckets and and it's working he's he's looked really really good yeah, I mean, the Sixers had two games coming into this where they were just so dominant. Embiid didn't even play in the fourth quarter. And I think, like, one reason I was, like, kind of pessimistic about the Sixers, even though I was saying I still think they're going to be a top-four seed, Embiid is basically a guaranteed 50-win season, is because, like, I was never quite there with Maxi as the playmaker as everyone else was, and I've always loved Maxi, But, like, I always kind of felt like maybe I only saw him with Harden and, like, with Simmons a little bit before that. But it was, like, it always kind of felt like it's, like, you know he's the, he's gonna he's there to get shots up right because he's not the primary. It was like guy. a little Cam Thomasy. Yeah, but yeah. now that he is the primary guy, he's totally settled into the role of like I'll take twenty seven shots, which he did in that game. So yeah, he is still a very much shoot first player, but he ha- really has settled into a proper floor general role that's like, I think is good enough for this team to be in a serious discussion and win the East. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, I I. You know, I am a little dubious of what this looks like in the the playoffs. playoffs. I agree with that. Because, you know, once you start asking Robert Covington and Nick Batum to, like, start burying shots and you're asking Maxi to continue this level of play and you're asking Embiid to stay healthy for four straight playoff rounds, um, that's where, you know, it gets tough, but... All, every team in the NBA, every contender is dealing with these same issues. But I could totally see them entering the postseason with the number one seed in the East and maybe even the number one seed in the NBA. Yeah, this team just, to your point, like this is probably going to get a lot more ugly in the playoffs. You still see at the end of games, like they want to get and beat the ball on that like low, like left block, and the other team's like, we're not going to let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Embiid. They don't really have a wing stopper as it is right now. Yeah. Um, they don't, it's like they don't have bad defenders, but they don't have that Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do think they need to figure out the like, how do we get Embiid a shot when there's like three seconds in a game and we're down one? Like yeah. that question is still not quite answered. Because like after that fadeaway, like I said earlier, they went right back to it and the Celtics were like, no. <laughs> no um and they and again this is a problem that's existed the entire Embiid era is like how do we get Embiid the ball in these situations but I think going back to last year one sign from last year that does make me really optimistic about this year for their playoff hopes is like going into last year's playoffs obviously the Sixers were kind of viewed as that tier two uh, contender in the east and one of the concerns for them last year was like what is Maxi going to look like? Because the year prior to that, Maxi was pretty shaky in the playoffs. Maxi was pretty solid throughout that Celtic series. And like, I, I don't know, man, I think he's going to be able to keep it up. He's yeah. been on an absolute tear, but like, I think he's going to be this 25 point per game on pretty efficient shooting all season and into the postseason. I don't know. I'm, I love the Sixers team and I still think the trade is coming. Yeah. Yeah. We will. I, I hope, I hope Maury doesn't put, I don't know, a super ball dominant, guard i want them to go for a wing <coughs> yeah it's 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 tough the wings out there are a, i don't i don't know if they have enough to masai has masai has all of the wings and he has like an astronomical price for all of his players so we'll see if he's willing to let 
go of one of them. But you know what? It's not a bad place to be having Joel Embiid. That's a pretty good starting off place. Yeah. Um, I guess one stat for Embiid. Patrick's heard me say this stat a ton of times off air, but I have to repeat it. Joel Embiid is the NBA's all-time leader in points per minute. This is the most, statistically, the most dominant scorer ever. Like, this guy, I feel like people really aren't appreciating just, like, how good he is. And I feel like a part of that is because Jokic is a better player. Like, the passing, Mm -hmm. no one's denying that. But I don't know. We're seeing a really, really special player. And I just hope people can appreciate it while it's here. Because I do think Embiid is one of these guys who might not age as gracefully, given the whole injury history, how big he is, how many falls he takes. Like, I don't know. We might not get this many, like this many more seasons of it. So we should all enjoy it while it's here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, do you want to um, talk shit about some teams? Oh, and, we're going to uh, talk shit about some teams. <laughs> and choose one. Um, okay, explain to the audience what I'm talking about. So every two weeks, Patrick and I are going to be crossing off an NBA team. There's 20 weeks left. 10 NBA teams do not make the playoffs slash play-in. And Patrick and I, you know, we get to start off easy, right? We get to pick a team we don't think is going to make the playoffs. And it's, hopefully we go 10 for 10. Yeah. That's the goal. I mean, it should be pretty easy to go 10 for 10. We might miss around that halfway mark. It's just tough nowadays with the plan because, like, especially in the West, it's going to be so close that, like, you know, a team could just sneak into the plan and then, I don't know, things go really well for two games and they're there. Yeah. So the reason Patrick and I want to do this exercise is because there are definitely teams, especially these first few teams we eliminate, that... You know, throughout the NBA season, let's be honest, Wizards fans, people don't really care about this year's Wizards. Like, you guys don't care about this year's Wizards. You care about them because they might end you with the number one pick in the draft. So, Patrick, the team I would like to nominate for first cross-off, they are not even bottom in the standings right now, is the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards, yes. I um, I knew you were going to bring up the Washington <laughs> Wizards. And Wizards and... Um, Hey, they uh, haven't exactly been the most serious team, um, but they, at least the numbers say they haven't been the like full-out, clear-cut, worst team in the NBA. There's two other teams, from what I've seen, that I think need to be in this dis- discussion. One of them is the San Antonio Spurs, which I'm going to set aside because they have an alien on their team. And you never know what's going to happen when you have an alien on your team. And then the other team is the Utah Jazz. I watched the Utah Jazz lose last night to the Pacers. And let me tell you, James, the Utah Jazz are an abysmal team. Um, There's two teams I feel like deserve to be in this discussion. Okay, bring them in. The Pistons. The Pistons, okay. Cade Cunningham is awesome. That team is horrible. And another team, I know, I know people don't want to cross them off. The Memphis Grizzlies might be the next cross-off team two weeks from now, bro. I, I, they can't win more than like when you ten games back in the standings is. I don't know how they make up that ground, even if Jaw is like MVP level. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um... They have John Morant, though, and who knows? But they only have John Morant for, like, 70 60% of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. Statistically, I don't think they meet the, like, profile of this team. We're talking about a Wizards team that has a minus 7.6 net rating, 119 defensive rating, and a 112 offensive rating, and then a Jazz team that has a minus 8.8 net rating with a with 118 defensive rating and 110 offensive rating. That's, That's awful. And they're not even the worst net rating. That's the Spurs, but we've already set aside the Spurs. Um yeah, I don't know. I think like roster-wise, they kind of have the same team. Like Kuzma has had, like, statistically a really good season so far. He's averaging 25 points per game. That's, like, right where Larry Markinen is. Um, I, like, say what you will about Jordan Poole. Uh, he hasn't had the best season thus far. But um, at least, like, I think at the top end of what he can do, that's a pretty talented player. Um, and that's right in line with jo- the Jordan Clarkson of it all. Um, 
But, um, you know, at the end of the day... Oh, my God, you are right. The kuzma Markinen similarities are uh, a little alarming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? At, at the end of the day, so we've got the, um, the Wizards. They are last in rebounding. They are... Um, they're scoring some points, you know. They're 24th in free throw percentage. Um, the the Jazz are really not... They're 24th in field goal percentage. Um, they're 30th in steals. Um, I think the answer is the Wizards. Um, just because of just the pure, like spite that Jordan Poole has been playing with, I can't see them. I think it could get worse for the Wizards because Kuzma is a player that we've already seen fit onto a championship team and mm-hmm. play meaningful minutes in an NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kuz- like Kuzma might not even be on the team at the end of the year. Yeah, no, like this, I, and I If this team is just purely the Jordan Poole show, that's a show with low ratings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, like, they're not getting anything from their rookies. Like, Keontae George has been okay for the Jazz. And I think they have, like, like Walker Kessler's good. He didn't play, play last night, but I think he's a good young center. Like, Johnny Davis, what happened to him? Like, oh, yeah. missing persons. He has been Can we completely... just cross him off? Yeah, we can cross, cross him off. I'm sorry, Wizards fans. You guys, for all my Wizards... You deserve a better team. Let me just say... Wizards fans, you guys have had no sustained period of success since the 1970s. <laughs> Literally, as the Washington Wizards, you've never had a sustained period of success. Probably the most exciting young player that you guys ever got your hands on was second-year Chris Webber, who was gone within, like, two years. I, like, cannot feel worse for just... Ernie Grunfeld and just the poo-poo platter of coaches that you guys have had to watch over the years. Gilbert Arenas having a gunfight with Javaris Critchington. It's just been so rough for you guys, and I'm sorry that it got rougher today with us crossing you guys off two weeks into the season. Did John Wall have his, like, really bad... He tore his Achilles going down a staircase, right? In his own house? I think so. And that was while he was on the Wizards, right? Yeah. That's like the end. Like, like, that's such an awful way for John, John Wall was like such an awesome. Yeah, such a John fun Wall. player. Such a fun player. I love those Wall Beal teams of like the mid 2010s. Mm-hmm. They were always like way more spunky in the postseason than you expected them to be. And it's just like Marcin Gortat and yeah, like, Markeith Morris. Like, that was a fun team. Like, obviously, you know, in NBA, we have fun teams throughout history, but it's like. I don't know. Hopefully, Wizards, that this tank is the start of a new era. Yeah, yeah. If I could choose any team that gets Cooper Flag, it's you guys. <laughs> um, all right, Patrick, shall we get to our hot streak shooting slump? Let's get to some hot streak shooting slump. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll start out. I think my week has been a... Damn, I don't want to keep saying tepid. It's not fun. It's not the point. Yeah. I'm going to go hot streak. Hell yeah. This week is a hot streak because it wasn't last week. There we um, go. So, Patrick and I, actually, if anyone is interested, we are looking for a podcast producer. We've got some interviews lined up already, but yeah, you know, I've got to find a podcast producer for the show. I've got to find a production assistant for my own YouTube channel. Again, if you stay to the end and you want to work with uh, Jidel Productions. There we go. <laughs> hiring. Uh, I am hiring. Uh, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm entering into a new era of my life, so it's, it's, it's exciting in that sense. I think... Um, you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know if you feel this, Patrick. I felt as I've gotten older in my late 20s, I kind of feel like my my ability to, like, work for long periods of time is, like, diminished. And, like, I've had, like, consecutive days of, like, working from, like, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So I think some people are like, that sounds crazy. But this is what I used to do all the time back in my beginning of my YouTube journey. And, like, being able to channel that energy and focus throughout the entire day is, like, something I haven't been able to do in a long time. So being able to do that, like, multiple days in a row has been – I don't know, man. I'm – is it weird? I'm a little proud of myself for. No, I'm, you I'm coming be. back, bro. This is like uh, I'm like Chris Paul, man. I'm like, I'm coming back. Hey, 2023 <laughs> and 2024 is the year of of patting yourself on the back. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And uh, you know, I feel like every hot streak shooting slump, I gotta give a, I gotta give my little football update. Yes. Giants blown 
out by the Raiders. But you know what? We're tanking. We're the Wizards, man. There you go. People don't realize the Giants have been the worst team in the NFL since 2018. Now, why do I, or since 2017, 2022, why do I say that year specifically? Because it's the year that we're the worst since. Since 2018, mm. we're not the worst. Since 2016, we're not the worst. But since 2017, we are the worst. So since 2017, man. <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, hey, I, I'm pumped for this this week as a Cardinals fan. We got Kyler Murray coming back. Very excited to see how he looks. We might have four more games of him in a Cardinals uniform and then never to see it again. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm a shooting slump again. I just like have not been able to get over this cold thing that I have. I gave it to my girlfriend, so she's sick. I love you, Ash, and I'm so sorry that you're not feeling well. Um, but I've been going to work. We're, we're here. Um, I went to the doctor today and got, a, got some medicine that made me feel better immediately, to be honest. But it was – I will say there was a couple highlights. Um, I went and saw Hosier at the Hollywood Bowl last weekend, which was freaking incredible. Such an amazing live show. If you ever have the opportunity to see him live, he, like, has the most beautiful voice. Um had a had I had a show on Sunday in uh, LA which went well, um, but yeah, just like on the road to health. That's that's all. I, if I have a healthy week, like it's instantly a hot streak after these last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I just came back from the dentist, and uh, I don't know. The dentist keeps posing this interesting question to me, Patrick. <laughs> Let me know if you think I'm a madman. So I like, I'm sure many of you, I don't like flossing. Yeah, I'm I kind of hate flossing. I'm it's not you, fun. Man. I never enjoy it. It always, it always feels like a drag. Um, Hopefully, they your dentist doesn't watch the pod. Oh uh, well, they I tell them. Uh, I'm sure so they, they know. They pose this question to me: Would you rather be in pain every time you come here, or floss every single day? And I'm like, I think I'd rather be in pain once every three months, <laughs> once every three months than floss every single day. Yeah. Am I crazy? I don't. Hey, that's the trade off. I brush my teeth every day. I brush my teeth every single day. Yeah. I can't stand flossing. Every time I get my, you know, you know, official dentist cleaning, it hurts. But it's not that bad. You know, that's the trade-off I've made for my entire life as well. So <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why we work as a podcast. <laughs> we're just we're gross. <laughs> yeah, we just are gross and don't floss. Um, yeah, don't do what we do. Um, uh, so are we gonna do a um, mailbag? Yes, for next Patrick episode? and I want to do a mailbag. So, guys, hit us up with your questions. We're going to throw a poll on Instagram, too, a little, like, ask us questions. We're going to hit that on – should we do the Tuesday episode or the Friday episode? Uh, I think a Friday mailbag feels yeah, more appropriate. Yeah, Friday early season mailbag. A week from today, we're going to do some mailbag questions. Thank you guys for listening again. I'm so sorry, Houston Rockets fans. I wanted to talk about the Rockets more, but we're going to get to them. And uh, Patrick and I, a little tease. If, if the Lakers don't win this play-in game, or season in-season tournament game. In-season tournament. We might have to have a big Lakers talk on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we'll see if that happens. We'll see you guys then. Peace!